Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. The WTF1 Post-Race Podcast. On home soil, who else but Max Verstappen was going to win the Dutch Grand Prix? But it wasn't as straightforward a weekend as we all might have predicted it to be. Ferrari struggles, Williams impress, and an unexpected debut alongside the pure chaos that the Zandvoort weather brought throughout the weekend made it one of the best races of the year. And it's not long to wait until the next one with Monza literally right around the corner. My name is Harry Benjamin alongside Callum O'Keefe as always. And well, this is going to be a bit of a different podcast this week because Zandvoort really should have been done and dusted a few days ago but i've had an absolute nightmare with my laptop uh which succumbed to i'm pretty sure the dutch rain that absolutely annihilated um me on my walk in from zandvoort train station to the track um but i now have a laptop so happy days uh so sorry for making you wait callum but you've had your own mare this week as well you're supposed to be in america right all the air traffic control stuff you're grounded yeah, yeah. So uh, I think it's been one of those weeks. The the Grand Prix was a little bit foreshadowing for what's to come, wasn't it? And I'm just shocked that they don't fly you in via private helicopter, Harry. That's what I would do if I was looking after you, you know, to make sure that your technology stayed safe. But we're here now, and and what a race it was. I mean, it was just a little bit of everything, and it, it all kind of started obviously when when Danny broke his wrist, and it was just pure chaos from there, wasn't it? Honestly, it was. Well, let, let's start with a little bit of a rundown, really, because I am aware now, you know, it is we're in Monza week as well. But I was actually expecting Zandvoort to be, I was dreading it, to be honest, the Grand Prix on Sunday, because you just knew the writing was probably going to be on the wall. But the weather made it so good, literally on the formation lap. And then as the lights went out, the rain started coming down hard. And this, I suppose... It's a driver and a team strategy worst nightmare, but as a fan and a punter, it's the best possible scenario. I think the thing that blows my mind from a kind of like inside point of view was how badly all the engineers got the call. I mean, you know, you see it across kind of junior junior racing. Our kind of go-to strategy, you know, with an F4, F3 and F2, we don't have the huge operational staff that they do and the, the fancy radars. You just kind of have someone stood the other side of the circuit and if it starts raining really, really you know, a lot and you think it's worth boxing, you get them to send a text to the engineer, the engineer radios and brings them in. But, you know, if you go back and there's there's a great uh, 10 minute video, which is just the chaos of the first few laps. And it's all the engineer back and forth with the drivers and the amount of drivers that wanted to come in, the engineers were saying, no, the radar says it's going to be light rain. It's not going to come. You know, all you had to do was look up at the sky and see what was coming. And even when the rain persisted, they obviously, they didn't make the call. And I just, I know it's easy to say with hindsight, but it kind of shocks me how badly wrong the team's got that. But what a race it set us up for, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think what Perez, Joe and Gasly were probably have three drivers that absolutely nailed it on that first stop for the intermediate because they rocked it up the order. But in the end, not even the chaotic weather could really stop Max Verstappen because, yeah, he came in a couple laps too late. But that's That's how much of an advantage he has. He can afford to maybe not come in straight away because he can still march through the field. He could start on the beach in Zandvoort outside (laughs) the circuit by the roundabout and still probably win the race. And 
actually, you know, a few of the the people I've been talking to within the paddock, they're sort of saying, you know, the the car's not being pushed to the full potential. Max isn't necessarily Jesus extracting Christ. every last bit out of it because he's just so far ahead. And, you know, we kind of saw it in Spa where they were lifting through a Rouge when they didn't need to. They're kind of saving everything as well in case they do need it later on in the season. But at the moment, they just look so far ahead. You know, Max and Red Bull is is the dominant package of Formula One now. So hopefully the only thing that can give us another race winner is the Monza curse. That's the, that's it. We're literally, we're, we, that's that's all we've got. Yeah, so this, this Monza curse, right? So whoever, so basically it's based on the, the winner from the previous year retires the following year. It's based, right? off of, it's, it's based off of pure fact. And that's exactly what it is. It's based off of pure fact. We had Charles Leclerc, he won, he then retired. We had Pierre Gasly, he won the um, the Alvatari, then retired. We had Danny Rick, he won, he then retired. Max Staffen won last year. That's all I'm saying. I mean, so- I, I if it comes true, I'm not going to be mad. But let's, I mean, do you remember that one year where I think it was 2011 and Tony Liuzzi in the HRT on the run down to turn one, he was right at the back, obviously, and he he gets a he gets a tire on the grass on the inside, and then he just loses control and slides down the middle, slap bang into like the top half of the field as they're coming through the turn one and two chicane, and it's literally like skittles. Like all it takes <laughs> is for something like that to happen, and Verstappen has no chance. I mean, if it's going to happen somewhere, it's going to happen. I mean, we were expecting Zandvoort to be a terrible race and then it turned into a great one. And and I, I feel, I don't want to jinx it by saying, oh, well, it's Monza. Monza's always a great race. There's always excitement and uncertainty. So I don't want to jinx it by saying it, but if there is a place where it can happen, it's definitely Monza because it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a slipstream fight. It really highlights unique characteristics. It's, it's one of those low downfall circuits, the most, no, no, low downfall track of the calendar. So the cars are very, very difficult to drive. And we see drivers who have especially very good feeling on the brakes. It's all about breaking mm-hmm. into the chicanes on that low downfall setup where the car likes to move around and everything feels very tricky. So, you know, we might see a driver who's struggling for a bit of form finally come through, or we might just see some carnage. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Well, you know what was a really interesting point to pick up on from the Dutch Grand Prix and then going forward to this weekend? The Williamses. What on earth? Their pace. There was no sort of real explanation for it for, for Zandvoort. And, and Albon, once again, showing that he's a bit of a tyre whisperer. Uh, and I mean, Sargent, okay, didn't have... He, he was off the pace compared to his teammate, but he was still improved overall for where he has been throughout the year. But that Williams, because we all know it's good. They've got a straight line advantage because of the Mercedes power unit in the back of that car. But Zambor isn't known for its long straights. Monza is. Yeah, I mean, the Williams car this year has really shocked me because we, we've said it time and time again whenever we've spoken about it on the pod. It's like you go to a racetrack and you think, oh, well, they're going to be strong here because of this. And they are. And then you go to a track that's the complete opposite and they go, oh, they were strong here. So they're not necessarily going to be strong there. And they're still strong. And it, it just kind of seems to me like Williams is actually, again, I don't want to jinx him, but Williams is actually on the up. And, you know, my my girlfriend was a, a guest of Williams this weekend at Zanford. She was in the team. And the comments that she made when she came back was the team's just, they're just vibrant. They're happy. They've got mm. their number one driver who's doing a great job. You know, Alex going 45 laps on the soft tires. That The confidence he has in the pace of the car and, and the way that he can extract that potential out of it is is clearly there. And, you know, even as you said, Logan had a tough weekend, but he was still fast. It's the fastest we've seen Sargent the entire season and the most competitive we've seen him. And 
everything just seems to be moving in the right direction there. And I'd, I'd like to see, you know, James Val's clearly doing a great job. It's not just him, but obviously he's bringing that, that spirit with the team. And yeah, I'd like to see where they go because if they keep up this trajectory, then we could see Williams back challenging, you know, really at the front again. It would be amazing to see, wouldn't it? We need Williams sort of back up there, challenging at least in the midfield every week. Uh, Logan, though, do you think he's in trouble? Yes. <laughs> I think, you know, <laughs> the, the problem is you've got you've got drivers like Vesti, Mercedes Jr. He had a, a an unfortunate uh, double wheel failure in Zandford, but, you know, he's looking like he's he's still in the fight for the, the F2 championship and, if he wins it, then they kind of have to give him a seat. And I think now really is is we're at that crunch time where in Formula One, teams will say that you have the support, but you've got to at least deliver on that promise. And we kind of saw with the freeze as well. They said, oh, we'll give him a few more races. And then mistakes kept happening. And then if, if you know, every mistake you make, the the belief the team has sort of halves. And if you keep making those mistakes, keep making those mistakes, keep making those mistakes, eventually you go from having full trust Two races ago, you've made four mistakes and the team go, oh, well, no, it's just not working because we we settled the environment, we took away the pressure and you're still making them so you're not cut out for it. So I think really he needs to have a big few races. He's got to be consistent. He's He's got to get himself close to Alex and he's just got to, he's got to reset and refocus and, and do the job, get to the end, perform in a good way, build with the momentum of the team because obviously when you've got a driver that's not performing, you're not developing as a team, you're losing out on 50% of the potential development and... Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back from that because it it was a weekend with great potential, but obviously he came away with with absolutely nothing. Every mistake you make, every breath you take, they'll be watching you. Certainly, the Formula One team bosses are watching you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's all I could think of since you said that. Uh, I agree. Uh, He needs a good he needs a good weekend in Monza to to try and salvage that. I think because actually Monza is also his last. European track that he knows from his F2 days. So he should theoretically come in with a bit more knowledge because then we go to what Singapore and Japan and all these places that he has not raced at. Um, and the next one probably won't be until Abu Dhabi, the finale. And by then, well, contracts are done and dusted usually. So uh, pressure mounting on the only American on the grid. Um, pressure slightly relieved, perhaps, for Alpine. Gasly on the podium, his best results uh, for them since he joined at the start of the year. And I imagine the management are all saying, great, perfect. Well, we got rid of Otmar at the previous race, next race after the summer break, back on the podium, happy days. Yeah, I think that was a great strategic call from Pierre. If you actually watch the uh, the footage back, his last minute dive into the pit lane was quite frankly genius. I mean, it it, it sounded like from what I heard on the radio stuff, um, you know, it was the, the team wanted to stay out and he was just like, no, I'm boxing. I, I'm making the call here. And, mm. you know, obviously the driver is the one that's driving around. The driver is the one that has the feeling. And yeah, that was that was basically the moment. I, I don't think it's all... Uh, smooth sailing. Um, there's, I don't know if you've seen it. There's also a bit of um, li- a legal struggle going on with stuff that's sort of initiating there with with Binance. Is it the one of the team sponsors? So I don't, I don't think it's all smooth sailing at Alpine. However, a podium, good results. Did you see when um, when Pierre walked out onto the podium? They actually had Esteban's name on the bottom of it. No. So as Did Pierre they? walked out onto the podium, he was like, yeah, got that podium there. And underneath the podium, obviously, they have the driver's names and it said Ocon. It was like the rolling name was Ocon. So everyone was like, ah, oh, it's, it's oh, <laughs> you know. Awkward. <laughs> Even when they oh, get on the podium, no. it doesn't quite work out fully for them, does it? So, but yeah, I, I think 
I think we're probably going to, again, making predictions is difficult, especially now in the midfield in Formula One. It just looks like there's absolutely no form guide behind, you know, the dominant Max Verstappen. The rest of Formula One is, is complete and utter carnage and it's great. But I think we're probably going to go back to Monza and Monza might potentially be back to knocking on the door of the top 10 and a little bit more of a tricky race for them if, if everything stays dry and, and, you know, kind of to be expected. Well, you need a strong power unit, don't you, for Monza? And uh, Alpine claim that they are down on power compared to the rest of of the engine manufacturers out there. Mercedes don't believe them, but of course Mercedes are going to say that. Um, but <laughs> they, they, you know, where where a track where you need a bit of grunt, where you need that straight line speed, Alpine might be in trouble. But then again, the form book is completely ripped up because Williams on paper shouldn't have gone well in Zandvoort yet they did and they should go well in Monza so who knows um on Ocon um he was the first I think to go on to the extreme wet tire in Zandvoort and then immediately was like what are we doing this was the wrong call next thing you know uh it it, it is extreme wet but it's red then then it's red flag conditions so I think a lot of people were asking this question, a lot of fans saying, well, what is the actual point of having an extreme wet tyre? Because by the time it gets too wet for the intermediate tyre and you need that extreme wet, it's it's too difficult to race. They're going to red flag it anyway. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of the conundrum now, with, isn't it? Like if it rains too much and they have to red flag the race, obviously safety is paramount and, and the driver's safety has to be the first thing that's taken into consideration. But when it gets to that point, everyone goes, well, we've, we've got this tire so we can drive on it, but you can't because the problem is aquaplaning comes from the floor. It's very rare that aquaplaning actually comes from the wheels because the, the wheels clear a lot of water, right? The whole point of a wet tire with a tread is the tread the water gets in between, which allows contact patch with the floor. But Formula One cars, especially when they've been set up to run in the dry, obviously park ferme means you can't adjust anything like that after qualifying. All of a sudden it has a, a wet race on Sunday. So the, the teams are running 100 kilos of fuel, really low ride heights as well because they've set the car up for the dry and it starts raining. So what happens is the, the front of the floor picks up water when there's lots of standing water that lifts the wheels in the air. And that's what effectively what aquaplaning is. And the problem kind of really stems unless you know that you're in for a wet weekend, like it's, it's guaranteed that it's going to be wet. It's very difficult for Formula One cars to run in extreme wet conditions with a, a drier setup because of how low they run the cars. And teams would never take the risk of running a slightly higher ride height because it's a massive aerodynamic loss. So I think it kind of comes down to the fact that it's just, it's 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 almost like a rule within a rule that causes it to be sort of, you know, negated that we can't use it. And yeah, I, I very, we, we very rarely see teams using them anyway. I, if, if it was up to me, it's, it's probably would work in, in favor of sustainability as well for the sport get rid of the wet tire, stick to the intermediate. It also makes it a lot easier in terms of like for the fans to be able to follow. And I, yeah, I think for me, it's kind of a redundant tire to be honest. I don't know what your view is on it, but well, it never really could, works out unless they change the rule. It's not going to make a difference. We're just going to keep having could, the same debate. Yeah. Could you not have, I don't know what it makes. Well, that's the thing. By the time you need an extreme wet, then it's probably too wet to race is the main sticking point. So I was just thinking, well, maybe you could have the two because there's, when, it, when it rains, there's the intermediate tire, the green wall tire, and then the full wet, which is this extreme wet with the, with the blue wall tire. But could you have them a little bit closer on the scale is what I'm thinking where, where, you know, where it becomes 
okay, this is getting a bit tricky now. It's a bit heavier. It's not quite heavy for full web, but it's heavy enough that intermediates don't work. Then you could have, you know, a bit of a bit of strategy going involved there with the different types of wet ties. But as you say, at the end of the day, aquaplaning, safety, that all comes into it. So I don't think you can do that. So I don't know. It's almost like a bit of a um, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't kind of scenario. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's just a, it's just an indication of modern Formula One. I mean, we used to be able to get away with it. It was it, it's yeah. just the way the cars have developed and the way the teams are progressing to set up the car with you know stuff like ground effect being more important. It's you have to run the car as low as you possibly can, and if you run the car as low as you possibly can, especially if you're running it for dry when it rains, all of a sudden it just becomes too wet. And we saw that mm. weekend with when the when the when the rain came down and it was full full wet. It was you know we we saw you know Zhao going off. Perez going off, Bartas going off, Sonoda going off in turn Hamilton one. Hamilton went off as well. They all did. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the interesting things about Zanford actually, and I, I watched back the Zhao crash, is there's a massive crest in the road at Zanford going down mm. towards turn one. And I think a lot of the drivers who hadn't necessarily done a lot of racing there, especially in the wet, they weren't really aware of that. It's not something that you traditionally know because it's, it's not one of those places that drivers raced against or, you know, really raced in junior single seasons because it's, it's a relatively new addition to the calendar, isn't it? And I think drivers then went for the traditional wet line, which was breaking a little bit off line or, you know, breaking towards the middle of the track because it's full wet now. They're trying to avoid that rubber that's been going down. And then it was just full sailing off into turn one. And mm-hmm. we were there at the start of the year for a, a race, like a, a Freca race, Formula Regional. And one of my drivers went for an overtake on the middle, hit the bump and fully like double locked both front wheels and, and almost missed the corner and, and harpooned into someone. And it was like, ah. I see what's happened here. So basically what we're saying is that the Formula One drivers need to watch more races of junior categories and they'd be learning more. That's what I'm saying. You know what? I, I was doing the commentary with Alice Powell at the weekend and she she made that exact point as well. She said there's a there's a sort of crown, there's a bump on the inside as you come into turn one, which not a lot of people realise. So there was also calls coming into the weekend that Zanvoort should be resurfaced as well. So uh, maybe that's something they'll do uh, in time for uh, next year. And they are, Zanvoort apparently are going to work on a whole new pit building and garages so that they can accommodate uh, more pit boxes uh, for maybe some more Formula One teams. Because right now Zanvoort is one of the main places where you cannot have any more than 10 teams. There just is not enough room. Um, Talking of uh, keeping it on track in the tricky conditions, Liam Lawson, welcome to Formula One. My God, what? I mean, it's hard enough coming in at the last minute. It's hard enough being a rookie in Formula One when you're chucked in for FP3 after Daniel Ricciardo breaks his wrist. Oh, not breaks his wrist, breaks a bone in his arm. And you haven't driven a Formula One car of any ilk since Abu Dhabi 2022. How impressive was that? In the end, he finished 13th as a result of other penalties and last minute retirements. But the fact he even crossed the line, didn't have any massive offs. I'm so impressed by Lawson. And he's in again this weekend for Monza. No, and he he does come off the back of a a very challenging weekend in Super Formula. He had quite a big crash. Mm. He tried to go around the outside fighting for the lead and dipped a wheel kind of off the curb and came back and rejoined and, and two other drivers went over the top of him and one ended up rolling. It, was, it wasn't it was like everything was said. It wasn't like the race weekend before we had won the race and everything was good and he was in a good mentality. You know, it was it was actually interesting how late the call was made and I, I'm really impressed with the job he did just to stay stay on around there. And I mean, it's, it's not, if you load into that as well, Zanford is probably the most challenging circuit physically. It is an absolute neck breaker. The fact that he even managed to finish the race for me is impressive because 
you add in all those things and then you add the element of physicality and how much more we would have had to learn in terms of systems and all on a, a Friday night, you know, straight away, let's go. You're in now. You got to make it work. And yeah, what a, what a great job he's done. And, and I hope with a bit more time as well, we're going to see what he's capable to do probably in the next two races. Cause it looks like he's going to be in for Singapore as well. And, but what does this mean for Danny Ricardo now? That's the real question. Cause there was all this momentum building around a Danny Rick comeback. Where does it go now? And how costly is that mistake going to be in, in Daniel Ricciardo's pursuit of coming back to Formula One full time? What did you make of the mistake? Because I thought, come on, Danny, that's a bit silly. That was a little bit rookie, unfortunately. Yeah. But the one thing that is very, very challenging around Zanford is there's a lot of visual noise for a driver. You know, it's not like it's a completely flat circuit. There's a lot of elevation change. And when you arrive into turn two and into turn three, you're not looking for a yellow flag board on the left-hand side. You know, he's he's just trying to get up to speed. He's he's on a run. He's trying to get himself where he needs to be. It's a track that he doesn't know that well. Um, so he's trying to really focus on bringing it back in. And, you know, the, the problem is with turn two and turn three, you pop over the top of a crest at the apex of two, and then you're straight into turn three. And it's mm. so easy to make a mistake there by yourself. But, I, you know, I think it's just caught him unsighted. Again, it's easy for me to say sat here in a chair that he should be looking out for it. But at those speeds... I think it's just an un unfortunate, costly mistake. And he kind of made the right choice to avoid hitting Oscar and taking Oscar out as well. But it kind of shows the speed of the impact. They didn't even have time to take his hands off the wheel, which is ultimately what did the damage. I, I think depending on uh, how Lawson does in Monza and most likely Singapore as well, although that's not confirmed yet, uh, if Lawson does an all right job and, and is there and thereabouts with Yuki, I, I honestly think Ricardo. That's I think he's blown it really because there was all this hype around it, but then you go, well, okay, we start Lawson here, we're giving him a shot, and he's he's on the pace, he's young, Sonoda's still doing a good job, you know, uh, what Perez, the piling all this talk of oh, is Ricardo putting the pressure on Perez? Yeah, okay, Perez kind of had a few mistakes in that race, but ultimately, I think you put anybody in that second Red Bull, and they're not going to be quicker than than Verstappen. So as long as Perez continues to kind of be there or thereabouts even if you know that is fourth um right now that's fine so i i honestly don't think ricardo will, will would would come back next year if um uh if lawson does a good job rebel and he might just put out some nice statement saying oh well you know um the the crash has made him realize that you know he he's had a great career and he doesn't want to risk you know risk things anymore blah 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 um, I don't know. That's just my gut instinct because I'm all for young drivers. I think if honest opinion, Dan Ricardo had his shots and, and that was it. He had a good career. Thank you very much. Go, go, go to WEC. I don't, I, whoa, what's wrong with WEC? <laughs> no, nothing, Louis, nothing. But you, Louis, know, you can Dan have a career the <laughs> Sorry, Louis. When you're not here, this is exactly what Harry does. No, I, I don't know because I think it, it's also nice to have a, a fan favorite come back in and and be revitalized and ready and and wanting to take on the challenge of Formula One again. I think it adds a unique perspective, but it it is a really tricky situation, isn't it? Because you've got a young kid who's delivering, he's done the job, he's he's winning out in Japan, he's doing everything Red Bull are asking of him. He's got his opportunity under very difficult circumstances, and he has delivered. He's done a he's done a solid job. If he does keep delivering, but then what do they do in terms of signing Danny Rick? Well, with you know contractual obligations that the team then have to put in are they just going to put Lawson on the sideline until next year it's, it's all perception in Formula 1 and that's the hardest thing and you know you're constantly fighting for the right perception with the right people and 
a mistake like that negatively impacts your perception and what Lawson's done. And it's all about balance, isn't it? It's, it's the scale. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, this is something I'm going to keep an eye on. And, you know, the, the great thing about Formula One now, especially now in the modern day, is they're always dropping hints in the media, aren't they? There's always little bits that are getting said and, and every story comes out. So if you, you keep your ear close enough to the ground, I think we might hear some some rumbling. Well, we'll wait and see how that one uh, unfolds. Callan has got his ear to the ground. So as soon Listening as he hears anything, that absolutely. We'll, WTF1 audience will be the first to know anything. Um and unless Woeful. we have to do unless we have to do the podcast on a Thursday because Harry's got a broken laptop. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad how much a broken laptop can scupper your entire week. Honestly, I've had so many things. I had to record something on an iPad the other day, which was very, very odd. Um, oh, woe, oh, woe is me. Woe is me, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what was woeful, though. Uh, Ferrari at the weekend, particularly Charles Leclerc. Um, oh. Carlos Sainz actually a decent run, all things considered. Uh, I mean, that Ferrari looked like it was struggling uh particularly on its rear end like from the start really even robert schwartzman was complaining about that uh in his fp1 outing in place of signs and leclerc he got angry at the team on the radio once again he ended up having to retire due to damage and of course uh new livery very nice new livery for for this weekend home their home race in front of the defosi um i've written down in my script can they up their game for monza i don't think they can I doubt it. And the reason I say <laughs> the reason I say that is because it's it's just we keep saying it every week. We keep going, well, they're Ferrari, the Ferrari, and then we kind of came to the conclusion, didn't we, that actually we should just stop expecting them to be good because they are Ferrari. Just yeah. because you have a great heritage doesn't mean that you're kind of continuing that heritage. And I think they will come back, but at the moment it's just not working. The best thing about Monza is going to be the fact that the drivers have really nice suits and helmets and a ret- you know, I like the retro helmets. I'm a big fan of that. It's going to look great when they have a terrible pit stop. We're going to get extra time to see it, get a zone in on it. And, I love the fact that um, that's going to be the nice. They're going to have some nice helmets and some nice overalls. That's going to be yeah, really we'll, nice. And we'll get, we'll get to see it when they make the pit stop error. And it's going to be great because we can really take it in. We, it'll look great for the photo. The photographers who are stood up top there will get a lot of time to take the nice shots. Great wallpapers for the, the team to post on social media next week. There is positives to take. It's just not going to come in the form of points or trophies. <laughs> not even any points. Ouch. <laughs> it wouldn't oh. surprise. It's, the problem is it, it's Monza. And it's, they have a curse this, on them there, I swear. Well, not well. Since Charles and the Clerk, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, all, it was all the disappointment and everything, which then transcended into this amazing victory. And since then, it's just been a slippery slope downwards. And there is, there is no breaks. It just oh. keeps going and going and going. And I apologize to all Ferrari fans out there because yeah. we're all at heart. We're all a Ferrari fan. I'm a Ferrari fan. I just can't keep right, taking right, the disappointment. Vettel, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> We miss you, Seb. Uh, Come back. Um, yeah, if you're a Ferrari fan, cover your ears. Um, Monza is an interesting one. We're actually going to have uh, Ferrari and Alfa Romeo. I've got a cool new livery. I have to say, it looks awesome with the Italian flag uh, le- emblazoned on the back of that uh, Alfa Romeo and on the body to celebrate one of their new Alfa cars that they're launching. Um, so that looks nice. Look out for that. Um, and also, I suppose, uh, just to mention um, for our good friend, uh, Nick DeVries, how quickly things can change, right? In, a, in in less than a year, he makes his debut with Williams. He qualifies in the top 10. He scores points. He can barely get himself out of the car because he hasn't trained. 
and he's the talk of the town. Every you know team thinks they want to sign him, and he gets the Alpha Tower seat. And where is Nick DeVries now? Gone, out, done and dusted, F1 career over. It's so crazy how it can change so quickly. It, it is, isn't it? And then obviously now we have a, a very similar story in, in Lawson coming in, mm. same time, you know, very little preparation, doing doing the job in that seat that he kind of left vacant, really, because I know Daniel Ricciardo is filling it, but it was to freeze a seat for the year, effectively. So it, it's funny how it all changes. And we... I. I don't want to open up the chat again because we always do it, but is it a problem that actually he's not even had a year since his F1 debut? He didn't even get a whole season. It's very, it feels like it's been far more time than it actually has, hasn't it? I'm not yeah. the only one that thinks that, right? No, I think it's because we obviously have the winter break and then the summer break and then test it. And then, I don't know. I just, and I, yeah, I, I agree. Well, but that's not, we can't open that can of words again because I think we all, we're all on the same page on that one, surely. Um, Look, let's do our podium, shall we, from Zanvoort. So uh, star performer, worst performer, biggest surprise performer on the uh, of the Grand Prix. Um, I'm going to start with my star performer of the race, uh, and it is going to be Fernando Alonso because he was fast challenging at times for Red Bull pace and was a master of the wet of the wet of the wet yes yes Once you said again. it you said it right the first time yes. but you said yes. it three times just for emphasis <laughs> fantastic yes I that's how wet it I was I agree with you but now it was it was so wet it's like your laptop was just malfunctioning <laughs> <laughs> no, I, what, a, what a race from Fernando he did a great job but you know the 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 attack on lap one as well when the uh, when the spots were falling he really showed his class great move into turn three you know we're not surprised by it, but it's nice to see the Aston Martin back out of the front. I think they needed that. You know, the clear new upgrades are working well. And, well, at least in those situations, they managed to capitalize on it. So let's see what they can do with, uh, with the rest of the season. But I am, as always, because you're always right, I am in full agreement with you, Harry. Excellent. All right, then you can have first dibs on next one. Worst performer. Oh, it's Ferrari, 100%. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Ferrari with, a, a, you know, a you know, honorable mention to Haas for just being slightly anonymous this weekend. It's, well, it's not, go on, no, go I, on. I just want to, well, you know, Magnussen had a good rise up through the field. He was fighting up there in, in the top 10 for a while and then just sort of was being overtaken left, right and center. But you know, he was really done dirty by Alpha Tauri in one of the, the manic pit stops because he was in, Magnussen and Haas got the cool right to change tires. And then AlphaTauri did as well, but they double stacked. So Sonoda was in, yeah. in the pit box. And then Liam Lawson just comes in and parks right behind him and stops Magnussen from leaving. He got a penalty for it. And I was just like, he literally sat there like a lemon. So I felt bad for Magnussen and Haas on that one. But you are right. They were a bit anonymous. It's just great teamwork from the AlphaTauri yeah. person. You know, mm. if, you, if you're Stick feeling the like... the new kid out there. Exactly. <laughs> we will... Uh, Liam, poor Liam. He's like, this definitely is going to be okay. He's just sat there mm. waiting, just dr drinking in the scenery, just enjoying himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my worst performer is Lance Stroll for also being quite anonymous this weekend. Uh, I know I know there was talk of him being ill and he had this plaster on the side of his neck. God knows what that was covering up. Um, so I... <laughs> so, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so, 
so, rewind. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it was covering up, Harry? I, what I don't know. What does why? Who has a plaster on their neck? Like who? I've I don't know. I yeah. I didn't. I, I haven't seen a, a plaster on someone's neck ever. So you probably you you can speculate. You were there. You can speculate. Me. Oh yeah, all, I'll, I'll get into trouble for this. Now I have to take it all back. But all um, I know is I'm looking forward to watching Lance play tennis because I think he'll yeah. be <laughs> a fantastic tennis pro. He's got a great forehand. Did you, slightly unrelated, I know we're doing the podium, but did you see all the drivers, well, not all the drivers, but Russell, Verstappen, Alban and Norris were all playing paddle. Playing paddle. Do you want to know who was the best one out of all of them? Do you know who? Yes. Well, it was was actually Lando. No way. Lando's really good, apparently. How do you know that? I, I I got my ear to the ground. Yeah. (laughs) I got my ear to the ground. Jesus Christ. Apparently... Everyone thought it was going to be Max because Max is the man, isn't he? Everyone's of like, course, oh, yeah, there's yeah. nothing he can't do, you know. Yeah. And he, uh, terrible, absolutely terrible. Oh, interesting. So we found something that he can't do. He can't play paddle. Good old Lando Norris taking one for the Brits there. Your neck must be so sore from uh, how much your ear is to the ground. Jeez. I'm just used to it now. I'm just uh, used yeah. to being horizontal. Um, <laughs> biggest surprise of the Grand Prix. What you got? I think it was probably the Williams for me. What? Yeah, well, yeah. You know, actually, I was going to say Alban, but actually Williams in general. I mean, yeah. I didn't expect, obviously, until Sergeant fired himself into the barrier in Q3, he was he was fast. He looked mm. competitive. The car looked great underneath both drivers, and then Alex going 45 laps on a set of soft tires. And you know, impressive. I was. I wasn't going to mention him because Williams did do a reel with my girlfriend where she looked very, very excited to have her arm around Alex Alban. So yeah, I'm just saying, yeah. like, you're doing a great job. You're dominating Formula One. Don't, don't, don't go see my girlfriend, Alex. That would be, you I know, mean, that I, would... I mean, I bumped into her as well, and and she was actually arm in arm with Alex during the in the paddock. I heard they were so... holding hands as well. To yeah. be fair, yeah, yeah. So if I don't know, I'd watch what, out. Not, not Lily... another. What would Lily say? <laughs> Oh, not another Red Bull driver stealing another Red Bull driver's girlfriend. No, 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 no. Who would not do again. that? Who would do that? But yeah, um, Williams, great job. Williams, doing a fantastic I agree. Job. Biggest surprise was bumping into your girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and also, I mean, I would say Williams as well, but to be different, I'll say Lawson just for a good job. A good job yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, in tough, tough conditions. Um, look, we are just about there. Um, so enjoy the Grand Prix this weekend, wherever you may be watching it from. But we've had a question come in and I thought we'd end on this shall we and this is from uh, Blake from Australia um, Ooh, who listened to a podcast a couple of weeks ago that we did on uh, how uh, F1 drivers are retiring a lot later these days and how we also have a massive talent pool in F2, F3 and other junior formulas. As we know, there are only 20 spots on the F1 grid. Instead of drivers waiting for a chance or going to a different racing series such as IndyCar, is there a market for another Formula One equivalent? I do remember a few years back there was talk of a similar competition called GP1 from memory. Do you guys think it could work? There is current F1 drivers, there are current F1 drivers who aren't necessarily happy with the format at the moment, such as Verstappen, and as previously mentioned about a backlog of younger drivers. Please let me know your thoughts. And and on the GP1 thing, I did have to do a bit of research because that rang a bell with me as well. So obviously F2 and F3 back in the day used to be called GP2 and GP3. And F1 has, well, Bernie Eccleston, I believe at the time had the trademark and the sole usage of G2 
GP1 as a term. And and they had a logo and it, it was very much the same as the GP2 and the GP3 logo. And there was talks of, well, he got that to stop anybody creating a rival, essentially, to Formula yeah. One. So I don't know if Bernie still has that or lockdown. I imagine Formula One have that lockdown somewhere. But what do you reckon? An F1 equivalent? Could it work? I mean, isn't isn't that kind of the whole ideology of what F2 should be? I mean, it should be the last step on the ladder. And I... I guess just so I understand this, because I've never heard of GP1. This is the first this, but it's an interesting concept, isn't it? So it would be you'd win at the at the time, you'd win GP3, which is F3. You'd then yeah. go into F F2, which was GP2 at the time. Yeah. And then it would be like you'd race for Williams or Mercedes's GP1 team. And then if you won that, you'd then go through to Formula One with a No, no, I think it I think it would be the equal to F1. They would be side by side. But GP1 would be uh, have a different format, and F1 would would still be F1. So I think I think the ladder would go F3, F2, GP1, F1. Which one do you want? Where's the seats? Where's the availability? But then how do you how do you decide which one's worth more? Because at the end of the day, everyone's fighting to be a world champion, which means you've beaten the best drivers in the world. So how do you decide which one's worth more? Because if you have Max Verstappen racing one, but you have you know the equivalent of whoever could actually take the challenge to Max Verstappen mm. who doesn't potentially exist yet. You have them racing and how do you know who's really best? And then how would you mix between? I just, it just, I, I like the idea. I like the concept because it's all about creating more seats, but I don't know how you'd make it work in terms of reputation and understanding. It would just, wouldn't it just add another layer of complexity that already is an already complicated sport? Callan O'Keefe is the inaugural GP1 world champion. That sounds exactly. quite good, actually. We should do it. Let's do it. Yeah, Let's exactly. Do it. exactly. I'm available. Exactly. Sign me up. Although it would be <laughs> is is probably you know second last place finisher, depending on that yeah. that nice announcement. But you know, hey, it's good. We can workshop it. It's all good. Well, exactly. Well, yeah, I, I I like the idea, and I'm always up for more racing and and more um uh you know opportunities. But you're right. There, I mean, there was even talk when Formula E launched. You know, oh, could this be the electric rival to Formula One? And, and it never really happened. And you do then look at the driver caliber. But Formula E has got some some top drivers in it as well, and and the caliber has really come a long way since the first of a season of that. But you're right. If you've got a Verstappen racing in one series, and an Alonso Verstappen Alonso in one, but you've got Stroll and and De Vries and Vesti and another, not to do them a disservice, but does that then decrease your interest in GP1 from a broader perspective? I would imagine it does because in order to gain popularity, clout, and be a, a, a pinnacle sport, you've got to be the fastest, you've got to have the best, and in terms of you've got to have the, the top TV and media rights. You know, our Sky showing GP1. You know, how is this? How is this working? I, so I love, I, I agree, Blake. I, I, I love the idea in terms of it could be um, more opportunities. But I think if anyone tried to tout this, it would be absolutely slammed shut right yeah, down by all away. of the teams. It would, they wouldn't, you know, there was already enough difficulty in getting an extra team in Formula One. They're not going to suddenly go, well, hang on a minute. What Let's the hell have is a GP? rival series. Let's have a rival series with 10 more teams who uh, are, you know, going to compete with us for sponsorship deals. I think what it does do, though, is it does still continue to open up that debate, right? Like you've, you've mentioned, there's there's probably three names in F2 and, and a couple more that have, you know, been through the last few years that are ready to step up to Formula One. If we had another two teams, another four seats, that would open up the possibility 
to fix that problem. Like the, the you know, the, the problem fix is almost there, but do teams want to share more prize money away? Of course they don't. Do they want to share their potential response? Of course they don't. And it's, it's that constant back and forth, isn't it? Of, well, of course there's going to be limited opportunities, there's only 20 seats, but they want to block more teams coming in. And the only way to end this debate is to have more seats. In my opinion, it's the only way because formula one is the way the ladder is set up, the way everything is, you need one sport where it's the pinnacle of, Everyone racing against that. You've graduated your way through to that. It's the best drivers in the world. It's the highest pinnacle. And then you race against them for the chance to beat it. And yeah, it's again, as I always say, it's easy for me to say sat here, but I think if we had 20, 24 seats on the grid, it would make life so much easier. But, you know, I'm not a Formula One team fighting for prize money and sponsorship and, 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 and I'm sure it's far more complicated than I could ever imagine. So in the meantime, drivers will just have to do with winning F2 and hoping a seat is open and available or start learning Japanese. What? Go Super Formula? Go Super Formula or IndyCar or, you know. Yeah. Uh, you're not a racing team yet. O'Keefe F1. I would. I, I would. And I'm, I'm saying this now. I would never run an F1 team. I would never run a race team because that is the biggest headache you can ever <laughs> have because no one is ever happy. You perform, you do a good job. Someone's always, you know, someone's always pissed off. So it's, it's not <laughs> worth it. It's definitely not worth it. That's why we see guys like Horner and Wolf and everyone. They're stressed. You never, you never really see them smiling. They're always embroiled in something. So I'm going to leave it to them. They're going to do a great job. I'm going to sit here and just pick fault in it rather than actually having to fix the yeah, problem. It's miles yeah. easier, isn't it? It's miles we'll easier. All we do is so much easier. little podcast yeah. <laughs> and all happy days. Um, but, but really good question from... from yeah, from uh, Blake. Yeah, from Blake. Uh, really good question. If you've got any other questions, we'd love to hear them. Um, you can send them through the WTF1 socials. Um, there is a, an email, I'm sure. I don't know what it is. Uh, that email came through contact at WTF1.com. So give that one a go and I'm give sure that. it'll make its way here. Yeah, or, or just send the carrier pigeon. That works. Too. Yeah, all but that as well. Last last note, looking forward to Monza. What yeah. are we expecting? Because we did this last week and it worked out really, really well for Zanford. So let's, you know, the, the cars are out on track tomorrow. What are we expecting, Harry Benjamin? Tell me everything that's going to happen. What have you seen in your crystal ball? I haven't even looked at what the weather's really, doing. Really I haven't looked at the weather. Um, 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 what am I thinking? I am thinking that, um, you know what? For all the doom and gloom um, that we've mentioned about Ferrari, <laughs> I think... Uh, they are going to get one car onto the podium Ooh, this weekend. Which one? Which one? I'm, my my heart You're gonna tells say me. Signs. My heart You're tells me signs. signs. You're going to say signs because <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't got one yet, and my head tells me Leclerc. Um, I'm going to go with my heart. Signs on the podium for Ferrari, uh, but it will be a Verstappen win. Yeah. Well, well, um, I'm going to say the curse of Monza is going to make its way through. Okay. I think, I think Lando Norris. If Verstappen doesn't win, I think it's going to be Norris. Not Alonso. Not Alonso. I think it's going to be Norris. And I, I can't, you know, Norris was on the front row last week. The McLaren is fast. He, you know, they made the wrong call with the tires and mm. it, the strategy didn't work out for them. But the car is quick. I back mm. the car. I back Lando. He's, he's just there. He's in the window. And I, with a little bit of carnage, a little bit of uncertainty, I think Lando could be right there. Oh, just imagine and, how good it would be if we had like Lando, Alonso, Verstappen, Hamilton all fighting for the win. Like just think so how good. amazing that would be. And I, I think if, uh, you know, it's worth a mention as well as as people for who love the sport and love racing. 
we, you know, we don't have a championship fight going on in F3, but F3 is always carnage in Monza. It's, it's almost worth watching the qualifying because everyone's looking for a slipstream oh and it ends up God. being 30 cars towed into Parabolica altogether. So it's carnage. It's great to watch. Doing F3 and- last year was the biggest stress of my life. That being, decided, <laughs> that being decided in the pit lane. Oh my God. But give it a watch because we had Gabriel Bortoletto on the show a couple of weeks ago. So uh, he is pretty much his title for the taking. So yeah, it's have done a tune now. into F3 as well. And hopefully, and I'm going to say this is the last thing, I think Liam Lawson is going to beat Yuki Tsunoda on actual pace. And really? I just, really? I just have that fear. He's, 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 he's gotten the debut out of the way. He did a good job. He survived. I think he's going to come in. I think he's going to, he's going to challenge Yuki and I think he might just have the upper hand. So let's, let's see how well that common ages. There's my Ooh, bold prediction. Uh, Yuki under even more pressure. Of course, Lawson will know Monza as well. So uh, he should uh, be very familiar with that track. But yes, we are now out of time um, for our slightly delayed Zanvor preview, uh, review slash Monza review. Um, but it's not long to wait. Literally in a couple of days, uh, F1 is in the Temple of Speed at the home of the Tofosi at Monza this weekend. And after a long summer break, then F1 well and truly back. Uh, and we will be back as well after the Italian Grand Prix, hoping there's no rain that affects my laptop. Uh, and if it's as anything as good as Zambor, um, I can't wait. But in the meantime, make sure you are following and subscribe to the WTF1 social YouTube channel. Uh, but from myself, Harry Benjamin from Callan O'Keefe, uh, we'll see you next week. Post sponsor. Bye-bye.